once again. What a glorious week. And thank you all. Thanks to all the teachers, all the kirtan leaders and kriyacharyas and storytellers and dancers. And Swami has that beautiful song, uh, I Live Without Fear, and it ends with the dancers will pass, the singing will end. And so it is as spiritual new we comes to at close, but we welcome not the darkness, but the light. So I want to begin by reading briefly from one of the prayer demands from Whispers from Eternity. Demand that through all tests and trials, the love of God may never fade. O Spirit, I care not if all sufferings come to me or all things be taken away from me. I pray only that my love for thee never fade through my own negligence. May my love for thee burn brightly forever on the altar of my constant remembrance. Recently, I was talking with a friend, and we were sharing, we were perhaps better to say commiserating. The whining had not yet begun, but we were commiserating with each other, saying how sometimes life just seems to beat you down. It just seems to be overwhelming, and everywhere you turn, there's just something else you have to deal with. And she sent to me an affirmation of masters that she uses, and I began using it just in the last few days, and it's extremely helpful. And I want to share it with you as we talk about this topic, how do we meet our, our tests and challenges. So I'll read it once, and then I want you to repeat it after me. The words of Master. I relax and cast aside all mental burdens. Allowing God to express through me His perfect love, peace, and wisdom. Again, I relax and cast aside all mental burdens, allowing God to express through me His perfect love, peace, and wisdom. And I began working with that affirmation. Use it if you like. It's in Scientific Healing Affirmations. And I began focusing on each of those qualities, love, and just feeling bathed in that, and peace, and wisdom. And then I thought, those are all qualities of God. Why? And But there are more than that. Why limit it to just those three? Because as... The scriptures of India and our Guruji tells us there are eight qualities of God. There's love and peace and power and wisdom and calmness and joy and light and sound. And I began using all of those and could see how each of those was a tool that I could use when I was faced with a test. Because often... You know, when we're struggling, someone says, well, think about God, think about God. Well, it's not so easy when you're in the middle of it. But if you could latch on to a quality, joy, I can do that. 
even if it's only in the abstract, peace, calmness. Swami has explained that the difference between peace and calmness, calmness is more of a passive state. It's not reacting to everything that's going on, or peace is a dynamic force. And then I began thinking about our topic this week, spiritual lessons from the life of Swami Kriyananda. And I began thinking in the years in my master's hermitage that I watched Swami live the life that brings you to God, that brings you to liberation. I began remembering all the ways that he used these different qualities when facing tests. And I thought I would share some of them with you because for me, they were very both inspiring, enlightening, and useful. I thought first about the great test we had in 1976 when the forest fire came, a forest fire, and burnt the community virtually to the ground. It was seven years into the history of the community, and we'd all been working and serving and sacrificing Swamiji most of all to create this community. And then it was all gone, gone in a matter of hours as this fire swept through the community. And recently someone, Swami was away in Hawaii at the day the fire happened, working on the path, writing it. But he came back as soon as he was notified. And recently, Bajrang gave us a recording of a meeting that I had forgotten. I think I was in a state of shock after the fire to some extent. And it was a recording of a meeting that Swami had called with all of those of us living here right after the fire. And he used the quality of calmness with us to face that test. And in that meeting, you know, as I said, Swamiji in a way had lost more than any of us in a certain sense. He didn't lose a physical home, but his dream of building world brotherhood colonies from an adolescent and strengthened by Master's talk at uh, 1949 at the garden party, and all that he had worked for all those years was ashes. And he called us all together and it might have been a meeting where we were discussing what we were going to have for dinner. He said, how are we going to go on? How will we build? And there was such calmness and presence. And he said, someone, as uh, people were saying yesterday, people could go out and get jobs to earn money. We can build, we can do this, and we can do that, and we can share homes. And by the end of the meeting, just this wonderful calmness and clarity just embraced each of us, and we knew that everything was going to be all right. But he didn't leave it at that. He brought in the quality of joy. And as soon as everyone was settled and it looked like we were back on our feet again, he, with that expansive power of joy, here we had no income, no money really to rebuild, but we were doing what we could. He said, let's do a nationwide lecture tour on the practice of joy. We call them the joy tours. And he went out, he took a small group of people with him who weren't so involved with rebuilding, and they went to cities all over America just saying, because what's the natural inclination when you receive a blow like that? You contract, you protect yourself. Swami said, no, we are going out 
Joy will be our gun. We are going out as soldiers of light and joy. And and we went for, I wasn't on the tours, I was here, but those people went out and singing and talking about how to experience joy no matter what happens. And we drew many wonderful members from those tours who are sitting here right today with us after that. And it was just the most wonderful solution to the tests we were facing. Face it with joy. Another aspect that Swami used in that circumstance was power. I know for me, it was a time of testing, maybe more than others at, right after the fire, because Jatish and I, had our child had just been born. He was 11 days old. We lost everything. We had no home. We had nothing. And I was a little not so sure about things at that point, how we would go forth. But Swami, the first, when the first moment he saw me after the fire, he looked at me. No sympathy. <laughs> no, poor dear, oh my, my. He looked at me with power, which was just what I needed. And he said, how are you, Davy? Well, that's good. And he just walked away. <laughs> that was it. Because that was, I needed that power now, that power of affirmation to say, I am well. And after that, things changed for me, and I could deal with whatever was going on. Then some weeks later, he wrote a little softer message. He sent a note, and he said, I'm so sorry for the loss that all of you had to sustain. But again, with power, he wrote, but remember, what God gives, we take. And again, it was just what I needed, that power. And, you know, sometimes when we think of the aspects of God, it, I, I find when I write correspondence, I'll write with love, with joy, with peace, but I rarely write with power <laughs> or with wisdom it, because they're impersonal qualities. It's, it would not seem appropriate to write that. But... Nevertheless, in facing our challenges, we have to use power and wisdom. I remember another time when uh, Jyotish and I had received an extremely critical letter from someone just telling us everything we were doing wrong and maybe we should just throw in the towel and depart. And it was, it was hard. And it was right around Christmas time. And we were going down to Swami's dome. There was a big Christmas Eve party, I think. And we didn't tell anyone. We didn't want to spoil anyone's time. We just said, we'll deal with this within ourselves. And Swami came in. He was greeting people. He took one look at us and he said, come with me. And he took us into a little side room and he said, what's wrong? We hadn't, he, we hadn't said anything. And we told him what had happened. And he listened with wisdom. He didn't say anything. But then he gave us the very best reply. We said, Swamiji, is what this person wrote true? Because if it is, we really need to change right away and dramatically. And Swami just said with great wisdom, you are doing the best you can for who you are. And then I wasn't satisfied with that. So <laughs> I said, well... Were those, was that person wrong for writing us that letter? And you can guess what Swami said. 
he said, they're doing the best they can for who they are. And then I was, that wisdom satisfied me. And then he smiled with a beautiful twinkle and he said, and I'm doing the best I can for who I am. So that wisdom, whatever happens, find the highest string with which to pick it up. Because we can wallow forever, this and that, and why did they say this, and why did that happen? But if we can find that great dispassionate wisdom, we can rise above it. So other qualities that Swami has used to overcome tests. We've talked often, and most of you know, Swami had tremendous health challenges throughout his life. And it was heartbreaking to see what he was had to deal with, and yet the energy that he put out to continue to serve others and to serve God. And, what, and he's often told the story of how when he would go to the dentist, uh, and he had poor teeth because as a child he had colitis, and when his teeth were forming, they took him off all dairy. And so he had a lot of trouble with his teeth as an adult, spent a lot of time in the dentist chair. But he said, I didn't like to use Novocaine because I didn't like to the uh, that numb feeling, that dull feeling. And so Swami used the quality of God's sound. God, that's one of the qualities, sound and light, the sound of Om. And he said, so when I sit in the dentist chair, I just listen to Om. And, or I, I uh, compose music while I'm sitting there that comes from Om. And he said, sometimes the dentist is very anxious and he's sweating because he knows how much pain that I probably am feeling. But I just stay in Om. And we said this this morning at the purification. Whenever you are faced, and this is excellent training, in the moment, and I have had, I have had experiences like this myself, where there is danger coming at me, and I can't avoid it, and I just chant Om, and it just dissipates. So remember that. Swami used it as he sat in the dental chair. He used it in many other circumstances. But he also used light to deal with his physical troubles. Some years ago, I think most of you know, Swami had badly arthritic, badly damaged hips from arthritis, and he had artificial hips uh, in both of his hips. And one morning, it was a beautiful, misty, moisty spring morning and the tulips were coming up and it had been raining and there were, Swami was in residence, he was at his apartment here and he looked out his window and all the tulips were just covered with beautiful raindrops and the light was reflecting in them in such a way that they were rainbow colors, all the colors of the spectrum and he said, oh, I've got to get a picture of this, a photograph. So he went and got his camera, this was in the days of cameras, and he leaned over in such an angle to get that shot, and his artificial hip, the shaft came out of the socket, and he was in extreme pain, and he couldn't move. He was still in his bed clothes because he had just gotten up. He dragged himself to the phone, called Dr. Peter, our resident saint, and um, Peter and then called us, and we came down right away. Peter called 911, 
And Swami was lying there in extreme pain, but he just smiled. He said, but I got the picture. <laughs> but the EMT, the emergency technicians, came from the local fire department. And it, Swami, as I said, was still in his pajamas. And these men came in, and you could feel Swami was just working with putting out light. And it had been muddy, so they had kind of muddy boots on. They were the fire department. And they came into his apartment with their big muddy boots and walked all over. And they had this old piece of board that it, it was like from an old barn or something. I don't know where they had gotten it, but it, it was very dirty. And they laid it on the floor, and they lifted Swamiji up, put him on that board, and duct taped his body to that board so that they could carry him out. And meanwhile, Swami was instructing Jyotish and I, uh, pack up a suitcase, put that jacket and that tie and that shirt and those trousers, because I'm going to change after uh, I'm healed of this. So uh, they took him away. We filed the ambulance in the car. We got to the emergency room, and he was in extreme pain. But nevertheless, for those of you who have spent time in emergency rooms, they are not one, the place one wants to frequent unless one has to. And they were, you know, just separated by little thin sheets of uh, dividers. People were screaming from, you know, many different traumas that they had gone through. And so Swami, there he was in extreme pain, laying on this board, duct taped to this board. And they called the orthopedic surgeon who had done the surgery, but unfortunately he was still in a surgery at the time, so we had to wait many hours. And we waited in the emergency room with Swami. And he just was perfectly relaxed. Just, it was like the more I sat there, the more that whole emergency room was filled with blue light. And the people in the other little dividers, everyone sort of calmed down. And you could just feel this consciousness of light filling the room. Finally, the orthopedic surgeon came in with many apologies. He couldn't help it. And it took him great effort uh, to be graphic about it. He stood on the bed, uh, kind of on top of Swami, and pulled the leg with all his might. And finally, it went back in. And as soon as it was in, Swami said, OK, now I want to get dressed. Took his little suitcase, went into the bathroom. And he came out. I don't know if all of you remember the old Superman shows. <laughs> but when Superman would come out of the phone booth, and it, it was like he had gone in there all disheveled in these pajamas that had gotten all dirty and, and, and kind of crumpled. And he came out, beautiful linen jacket, blue shirt, tie. And he came out, and the nurses didn't know who he was. <laughs> they said, excuse me, can we help you? And, and he transformed because he never changed in that light. He always was living in that light, and we all could feel it. And finally, the last two qualities, peace and love. So many stories of how Swami brought peace into the world. One I'll share, I was talking with a friend of mine, who's a friend of many years, and we, this was some years ago this happened, and I just happened to mention Swami called us last night to talk about something. And she got a little sad, and she said, you know, he's never called us. And then she stopped, and she said, no, he did once. And to quote the 
line from Jewel and the Lotus, won't you tell us more, I asked her. And she said, she has a very beautiful marriage, my friend, very devoted, she and her partner. And she said, my partner and I had had a tremendous fight that night, and we were arguing and saying things that we shouldn't have said to each other. And we went to sleep, and we weren't talking to each other. And then it was morning, and nothing had really changed. And then the phone rang, and it was Swamiji. And it was the only time he'd ever called them. And he just said, I want to thank you both for your beautiful spirit. And in that moment, she said, it was like every molecule got realigned with peace. And we looked at each other, my partner and I, and we both just started crying. And we said, please forgive me. Please forgive me. But just that, how did he know? How did he know? And then love. Well, all week we've been talking about Swami's expressions of love. And it wasn't that he didn't know hatred and enmity and opposition in this life. As he said in one of his songs, it ain't that I don't know what grief is. This old heart has had its full share. But his response, no matter what people put out to him, he only gave back love. And in fact, he said to us once in the midst of the brutal days of the court case when great calumny was being thrown at him, he said, you know, no matter how people treat me, no matter how they treat me, I only love them. Why? Because I am happier when I love. They can take everything away, but they can't take away my love for them. And so in our own lives, use these stories as examples of how to face our tests. Don't return hatred with judgment or hatred back. Return love. When there's disharmony, put out peace. When there's fear, put out calmness, on and on. And then we come to the question, why do we have our tests? Now that we have a good tool belt of how to deal with them, we have them because of our own karma. That karma is inevitable. We can't escape it. But as Ananda Ma said, we have, as far as free will, we can't change what comes to us. But she said we have one free choice in life, and that is whether to think of God or not think of God. And so if we can remember that, that is where our freedom of choice lies, and that is where our freedom of soul lies, to think of God, remember him in all circumstances, however we can do it, with every breath we take. And we've heard so many stories this week of the life of Swamiji, but beneath them all, the service and the sensitivity and the awareness and the projects and the energy and the dynamism, beneath them all, if you listened, there was the deep yearning for God. That is what defined his life and why we loved him and why he changed our lives. And so we'll close in a moment with Chaitanya singing farther away than the star stars. 
And Swami sings, I have a love far away. And all his life, he was yearning for that love. And now, with great joy, he has found it.